if I go to a recovering meeting, I'm not identifying with who you are. I'm identifying with what's taking you over. Yes? You have suffered under the same tyranny I have suffered under. So I have great confidence that because this has worked for quote-unquote me, it can work for you. If you've been suffering under the same tyranny that I was suffering on called alcoholism, active alcoholism, then I would say this is a bona fide solution to that. And a radical solution where what you hope to be an experience can actually turn into the state you live from. A state, not an experience, but a state. A state of mind, not an experience of mind. There's millions of experiences of mind. But a state of mind is much more stabilized, yeah? So it's just a simple shift in a way. In recovery, it says there's a, in this, in an inventory process, I'm going to speak from AA tonight, you know, it doesn't matter, you'll get it anyway. So in, uh, in recovery, in the fear inventory, they have a incredible statement where he says, why are you in so much fear today? The writer of the book, which is an incredible statement, question. And it doesn't, he doesn't let us answer, because if he did, it would have been about a 1,200-page book. Everyone knows why they're screwed, but it, obviously it's not relieving them of them being screwed, so they're probably off on what's causing their screwedness, in a sense, yeah? And it says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? It's an incredible statement. He just diagnosed a whole dilemma that was probably... You, you were not able to capture out there, running around. You had no idea that the root of the problem was the mind was resting or relying on an idea called being a self. Yeah? And it says, why are you in so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? And it wasn't a, it's not personal. See, that's the selfing. That's the, the real selfing is feeling that it's personal. It's systemic. It's a chronic systemic failure. Any mind relying on self isn't going to navigate very well here in this life. First of all, self cannot process one freaking day without producing a lot of its effects, or let's say its residue or, or its pollution, which are resentments, fears, harming other people in the pursuit of what it wants, all this stuff. That's just in a couple of hours. Can you imagine if it's been running the show for year upon year upon year? I mean, your, your, your atmosphere, the space you're in, is polluted, unbelievably polluted. And it doesn't matter. See, when you're in, if you if you're in L.A., yeah, and you you see a picture from the helicopter, a big picture, then you see the smog. But when you're in it, you don't see the smog, do you? But if you were lifted out of L.A., you would see the smog. This is what it's like. You'll know the problem from the solution if you, for some grace or something. You get taken out of the problem. You'll see it for what it is. But if you're in the problem, you're already seeing everything from its point of view. Yeah. You can be, someone can talk to you blue in the face. The smog is really screwing with you. If you don't see it, it doesn't, I don't see anything. Yeah. But if you lift it up, you would see it. You're in a giant space, a giant field of, of smog. So it's, a, it's amazing you can even see clearly. I was in China a couple of years ago. There was unbelievable. I was in a city in Huan, Hunan province, and you like 20 yards away, it was blurry. Big freaking buildings. There was so much smog in there. It was becoming more noticeable, even while you were in it. But a lot of us, we, are, we don't get that view. We don't, we don't get to see what's going on outside the purview of self. This identification as being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. We don't see it. Yeah. So while it's having all these effects and all these manifestations are happening through us, we very rarely can follow the manifestations to what's causing the manifestations. Yeah. Because it's difficult for a mind to entertain, to entertain truly, to be free from what it takes itself to be. If the identification is in place, your mind will never go to the possibility of being radically free from it. It will go to the possibility of being free as it, getting therapy for it, doing all these things to try to make that thing a little more livable with, instead of be realizing, I'm not that, and therefore, the same, as soon as it hit me, that, hey, I'm not that, 
<coughs> my mind went to a point immediately that it had never gone to all the years I was seeking. And it was, I'm not that, I can be free of it. Yeah? Before, I was saying, I can be free as this, which is not going to occur. If it could have, it would have already. Many people, even in this room, have probably invested a lot of time, money, and effort into spiritual seeking, and they're here tonight. <coughs> the seeking continues. <coughs> so, my view, my humble view, it is an obsession with self. That's, the, that's what the mind that's identified as a self does to reinforce the identification. I'm going to say this another time. <coughs> it's not obsession with self. That's what the mind does that's in, that is identified as a self, to reinforce the identification. Without the obsession, it would be seen through very easily. But because the mind is incessantly obsessed with this idea of being Paul, then the glue or the bonding, which no glue, glue could produce, you as a spirit to a body, <clears throat> no way could that ever hold. It seems like it holds because the glue's being applied every second. Yeah? Every second. Reinforced by the language that the thoughts are held in and what we're talking about all day. Like I, I use this a lot because it's such a simple example. <clears throat> I had my hair was pretty long a while ago and I went back east. I hadn't been there for a year and they, everyone was coming up to me and saying, hey, you're growing your hair, you know? And I said, no, I'm not really growing my hair. I'm just not cutting my hair. You know? It's not like I'm taking a few hours a week after I digest my food, now growing my hair. Like a whole day I do all those things I have to be doing to keep living. I know, I'm just not cutting it. You know? So the language assumes that I have something to do with something I don't have anything to do with, which was growing my hair. Yeah, doesn't it? Very innocently. It sounds like the, when the person says, hey, Paul, you're growing your hair. Sounds good enough. That's not a big indictment or a big proclamation. It's, it goes on all day. And what it is, it's implying that I have something to do with something I have nothing to do with. Well, I'm telling you, it's, it's much more expansive than that one example about your hair. The, the language, the narrative in your head is constantly implying you have something to do with something you don't have anything to do with. <laughs> how other people think about you, how you... It's just unbelievable how much that it falls into that category of this has actually nothing to do with me. That's where the real relief comes. We're so engaged in things we have nothing to do with. Like, we're so engaged with the thought system, we take ourselves to be the thinker of it. Yeah. Have you ever thought... Have you ever thought, you may say, I'm going to sit and think, but usually that idea was a thought and that popped up to lead you to act like you're going to do other thoughts, yeah? Every, if they just appear and then there's a, an awareness of them or a consciousness of them, and therefore then we react or respond to that thought. If you see them and you are the seeing of them, you respond to them. If you see them and you are the thinker of them, you react to them. <clears throat> that's what happens. The thoughts now seem to have you instead of you having the thoughts, don't they? <clears throat> How many days in your life have, has actually the thought had the, the day instead of you? You're probably having a really nice day and then suddenly your head says, when are they going to find out I don't deserve it? That thought now has you, doesn't it? And where's your immunity to it? You don't have any immunity. It takes you right over the day could have been going with an incredible amount of momentum from 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. Beautiful vistas and lovely things. And then suddenly, just veer right off of that, that, that momentum and just go a whole other direction. The day sucks. This whole vacation sucks. You suck. I suck. Everything sucks. By one thought. Yeah? And it ain't the thought that doing it. It's the mind using the thought. Yeah? The mind using the thought by being in relationship with the thought as the thinker. Thoughts would have so little... The effect that thoughts have on us would diminish greatly if they weren't your thoughts. And I don't see how <clears throat> just an objective observation of people who are in recovery after going months of meetings... And, you know, I came in, when I came into AA, I was in a, a thick shell of terminal uniqueness. 
I thought no one thought like I did or felt like I did. No one understands what motivates me, and no one's done the heinous things that I've done. <coughs> I was in that shell of terminal uniqueness, impossible to get any help, because how could I get help from some people who don't understand? Yeah. Then I'm listening to people, because that's what happens, right, at meetings. They share their feelings, they share their thoughts, they share their situations and reactions to life. And after a few months, I could only come to two conclusions. How did they get my thoughts? Yeah. Or, they're not my thoughts. Bingo. There were, that's where relief came from. They're not my thoughts. My first leap from being the thinker was, they're alcoholic thoughts. Yeah. And that's why when I hear people share, I don't identify with who they are, I identify with what's taking them over. Because they've lived under the same fucking tyranny as I have. They have similar feelings, the thoughts are the same, and the reactions are the same. Yeah? You don't see it? To me, it, oh, my mind left out of this terminal uniqueness of being the center of everything into a much larger space. Yeah? Which feels a lot better <laughs> as you're traveling through the space. Not as this fucking claustrophobic point of space, but an opening. So instead of being self-centered, you're now centered. Yeah? <clears throat> You're not centered on this crazy idea of being a self, you're centered. Yeah. Your inter interest and attention isn't enslaved to the preoccupation about you, which is what's happening all day. How could yesterday have a true effect on you unless it's thought about? It's done. There's nothing going on there. It has no ability to produce any effect because it's not happening. It is only used by the mental process, the selfing, to produce an effect by thinking about it. Yeah? It's mind and mind alone that's producing every effect. It uses the past and the future to produce an effect now. So you think, oh, it was really shitty last week, and now you're contracted. You're not open to what's going on because you had a really shitty day three weeks ago. Yeah? Or, you're contracted because you're going to have cancer three weeks from now. You're totally healthy at this moment, but there's no enjoyment of that health. There's this preoccupation with, I won't be healthy. Yeah? How could that effect occur from an imaginary field? How could you have a crop coming out of an imaginary field? Where's the seeds? Mind. Yeah? The mind is what makes it seem to be so. It's not so, but it seems to be so to you. And therefore, you exhibit it seeming to be so, and now you're contracted and shut down and not open. And this is the only place you get the invitation now. This is the pulse of living now. Not yesterday and tomorrow. You're up here. Yeah. And there's going to be a lacking in your life. And you know what's going to... Then there's going to be irritability, restlessness, and discontent about that. <clears throat> and then you're going to get lost in the fucking jungle of it all. And you'll start thinking, she's the problem. <clears throat> He's the problem. That's the problem. Instead of realizing, like they say in AA, you don't have a problem, you are the problem. Yeah? You're the living expression of the problem, called alcoholism. You're its vehicle. It's totally taking you over. It's using you as transportation to express itself. That's why your, be your behavior is just like everyone else who's under alcoholism. It's one parasite with a very limited amount of characteristics expressing through many and many, many of us. <clears throat> Causing the same havoc in San Francisco as in New York, as in Amsterdam, as in Bombay. Causing the same havoc in families in Bombay, New York, Mexico. Doing the exact same thing it does everywhere. And getting away with it, incredibly so, because no one recognizes it whatsoever. They keep calling it me. You keep, you're identified as the problem. That's why... The problem can also be the solution, because if the problem is identification as what you're not, if you woke up to that, you're not that. <clears throat> you're not the thinker of these thoughts. You're not the feeler of these feelings. Yeah. I don't know what you are, but you're not that. And you're definitely not a mental idea.
it produced a radical freedom for me. And it's been pretty open for 14, 15 years. The proof is in the pudding. You know, it didn't change the geography of my life, but I've traveled light of whatever my life had in store for this event. I've traveled lighter over it. What more would you want? I mean, radically lighter. So in recovery, <coughs> the demonstration of the little of the mistake, in my view, is put very clearly in the inventory process. Yeah? It says, right before they go into the inventory process, so if you don't know it, it's like a, we take an inventory of uh, resentments and fears and harms done to others looking at our sexual behavior. And we write these, we, it's usually a four-column inventory, and basically, guess like someone at a bar tonight is, has, in, they're in the first two columns. They know why they're mad and who they're mad at. But there's no relief there. They just order another drink, yeah? You gotta bring it back and at least get into the vicinity of your role in things, yeah? <laughs> All this message is doing is taking that farther <coughs> to see the true role you have in things. So if you are a problem, not someone who has a problem, if that was true, there would be no fucking opportunity for relief. You might as, it was logical to keep getting loaded in a sense from that point of view. But if the problem is an act of being identified as what you're not, then there is a solution right there. If that identification as that is broken, you're the solution to that. Yeah. You're the solution to your own inherent idea of being the problem. Just like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is so, all right, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self, yes, my feeling of self, it's a long, it's a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes, this action figure. So being convinced that self, manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us. So he separates the two. Self and us. Yeah? We're one of the, we're the us. And self is a mental freaking idea. Like a parasitical mental movement. Yeah? This movement has defeated us. Now, I believe it's able to defeat us by we're being identified as it. That's how I see it. But let's say we'll take it farther the way they put it. So self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. If we're convinced of that, we're gonna now, now we're going to look at some of its, meaning self's, common manifestations in your life. And then the re inventory process, how to do it, starts the next paragraph. Resentment is the number one offender. So if you look at this logic, resentment is one of the manifestations or expressions of self in your life. Also, fear is one of the manifestations of self in your life. Harming other people in the pursuit of what, of what you want when it becomes like a chronic pattern is also a manifestation of self in your life. Yeah, These are some of the common ones. There's many other ones, but they're usually, they're all rooted, they're all being produced by the Petri dish of your mind being identified as what it's not. That's what's allowing all this shit to, to occur, yeah? Okay, so then why, every time you talk about a fear, why do you frame it as yours? Why do you frame your, the resentments that are happening in your life as your resentments? To me, that's the vocal act of being identified as self. You're claiming the expressions of self and the manifestations of, of self as yours. What is that other than the act of being identified? Yeah, I can't see it as it being anything else. If I'm saying an expression of self, which is fear, I'm calling it my fear, I would say I'm identified as self. Yeah. What would happen if I saw that the fear wasn't mine. I bet you you'd be able to deal with it a whole lot better if it wasn't your fear. <laughs> Just like you can be incredibly helpful to someone else's problems, but you can't deal with yours. I think the big difference is the your, the my of it all. As soon as something becomes mine, it gets very distorted. I can't see it well. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what happened. I entertained these possibilities, and my mind opened up. And it's still opened up. And, it, and it's not even opened up, it's opening up. That's all it does, all day, every day. It's always been doing that. Yeah. But now there's a little bit of awareness around it, which brings a great lightness to what's happening here. 
And I can be rooted in what's going on instead of be rooted in into that false little pot of what was and what's going to be. Yeah, which I have nothing to do with, in a sense. Yeah. And I have plans, but they're happening now. I'm, I'm planning now. I'm never planning in the future. I'm planning now and knowing that who knows what's going to happen, you wear it loosely. <coughs> or you'll set yourself up for disappointments. You can see it. You can recognize what reinvigorates the disease all day, every day. And if you cut off its supply line, which is your interest and attention, because it's not about you anymore, and I'll tell you something, if you saw the thought system wasn't really about you, and you weren't the thinker of it, your interest and attention would leave the thought system. And know where it would go? Find out. But I'll tell you, I know when my interest and attention was freed from that slavery of having it all to be about me, that same thing that was like amping up all the obsession is now enriching my life. The same interest and attention, just freed from that slavery. Yeah. And just like I heard it, that's what I like about these meetings. We allow other people to hear it. That's all. It's like my job is just to hand over the spiritual subpoena. What happens then is up to mind and grace. Yeah. But I tell you, because I was so grateful that I heard this, I'm, I would like to play that role and, and allow other people to hear it. Now, what they do with it, who cares? Or what, what it does with you, basically. Who cares, in a sense? But I'd love you to have the right to hear it. Because you're suffering from a mental occupation. It's a foreign installment. And you're in the deep identification as that. Instead of seeing that it's not you. And then your mind able to able quickly to entertain, I can be free of it. You're entertaining, how can I be free as it? Which is never going to work. A parasitical movement isn't going to change its stripes. Yeah? It has no, the, only thing it, the only thing it respects is more power. That's why we say a higher power, a, higher, a greater power than self. Because the only power that it's going to respect is a power greater than it. It definitely doesn't... We are totally overmatched. Go to meetings and listen to them. We are totally overmatched by this parasite. Totally. I've seen people with 20 years go out. I've seen people uh, people who are great shares and they've been sober three years and then they're out for two weeks. They have, down, they have no idea what hit them. None whatsoever. Just blown fucking away. They're a little... What was starting to... Uh, uh, formulate around them as a life just blown out of the water like that in one night. We're overmatched, yeah. Because we're identified with the thing that we're suffering from, which is unbelievable to me. So that was my humble diagnosis and I'm sticking to it in program of recovery. Because most people are taking it as far as obsession with self, but the thing is, they're taking themselves to be a self that's obsessed with an idea of being a self. And the solution doesn't say self's going to get out of self. It says self cannot get out of self. Yeah? So, let's say you reckon somehow you have an idea, you've objectified self as a thing that you're going to try to get out of, but you're going to try to get out of it as the activity of self. Self is never going to get out of self, ever. Get the right diagnosis and see what happens. See if it illuminates your program. It's not a path, because you are that. You are the illuminating factor that's a little cloudy right now. The AA program, to me, is a way to diminish the mental condition, which is the selfing. So that a quote-unquote spiritual condition can be obvious to the to you and to me. That's our immunity to the first drink. That's our immunity to the insanity that precedes the first drink. That's it. No mental solution, no environmental or circumstantial solution, no human solution, but a power greater than that selfing. That's the solution. And then you start entertaining, you start seeing the problem from the solution. You can recognize it. It's like if you are 
right now, no one is probably paying much attention to the effects of gravity on their body right now. Probably didn't go any place in the whole of San Francisco that where people were talking about the effects of gravity. You know, like the shoulders are a little heavy today. Probably not one place. Not one word was probably uttered about this incredible all, all at all time effect on the body. Yeah. But the only way you would know the effects of gravity if you went into like an anti-gravity chamber. Then by its absence, you would know it. You would see its pseudo-presence by its absence. You'd recognize the only thing you can do is appear to be so. It can't be so. The truth is the anti-gravity capsule. Yeah? In a sense, when it comes to spirit. You are spirit, you have always been that spirit, and you're never not going to be that spirit. Yeah? It can only seem to be this way. It can never cross that incredible line of seemingly into being. It cannot do it. It cannot do it. You are already being. This thing wants to become something. It wants to become a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, separate from everything else, being its own God and getting its own personal love and specialness and rightness and uniqueness. That's its big drive, yeah? It's never going to fulfill that, ever. It can only look like it's doing it in time, but in the big game, it has no way to win. That's the greatest news of all. Yeah, No matter what your mind throws at you, or your emotion, no matter how your crazy head interprets emotions into these huge knots, they cannot withstand timelessness. Yeah? The solution is always available at all times, right where you are. Even in the activity of the problem, the solution is lying right there. Always available at all times, with no requirement necessary to meet it. There you can rest. When your mind rests on that and starts relying on that, then you'll see the effects. Yeah? Like they, they describe quite a lot of them in the book. You'll lose interest in yourself because it's not you, <laughs> and you'll gain interest in others. Yes? Because they're more of you than that freaking thing is. <laughs> and all of these effects they talk about are only, they're just describing the shift of mind out of a failed system, which is reliance on self, to a workable solution, which is trusting something infinite. And that, you know, you may think you're somewhere along that line, but we're all moving in a way in manifestation but in fact, the absoluteness is we never left that. We've always been in that spot. Yes? It's only seemed to be we were different. It, was only, it can only seem to be that we were far from it. It can only seem to be that we're close to it. Because it's, it's beyond close and far. It's right where we are. You're centered, not self-centered. Centered. Yeah? So you become like a free-range alcoholic, in a way. That's what happens. You honor the coop, you visit there, but you don't live in the coop. I'm not going to get cooped up by AA, well then I'm not going to get cooped up by anything. Yeah? We're randomly and radically free. Yes? Good news, yeah. Like the gospel. Gospel means good news. That's what gospels were. They were good news. Hey, you can be radically free of this thing that you're calling you. And you'll see how. Look at it. Look at If you look at it, alcoholism, doesn't it feel like a possession? Like, let's say you haven't done something and then suddenly you get loaded again. For me, I call it like a parasitical takeover. Yeah? Now, and if you have been taken over by it, it's not a very benevolent takeover, you know? You usually trash pretty fast and, you know, abscesses, limps, and all this stuff happens. And you just keep on cooking. You can't, they won't let you die because it's, you're its only host, you know, the parasite. So it's gonna, it's gonna prolong your life here, but it's probably gonna be a pretty miserable one. <laughs> so what would happen? So how can this parasite take us over? And there's no big fight against it. Yeah. 
Because like say if a big bug flew in here right now and landed on anybody, the person's natural reaction would be to knock that bug off. Yeah? If it happened once or 30 times, it would still do it. But we've been taken over by a much worse parasite than that bug. We just think the parasite's bad. This thing is fucking bad. <laughs> this is really something. Look at how many lives it's ruined in your little circle. Look at it in my own family. Look at it. And that's now just... Multi, you know, geometrically multiply that to see its effects here. It's rampant. I go to do talks with non-AA people. You don't cannot believe how many people come up to me and talk about themselves or their cousin or their daughter. Or, Can you please talk to my? You know, it's all everywhere the effects. So here's this parasitical movement. It sort of takes over in a way. How does it do it? It has an incredible strategy. And the strategy is it convinces the host that it's the host. So you're defending the parasite's right to be wrong. You're defending the parasite's resentments by not sharing them and getting relief from them. You're living in the petri dish or the nest of the parasite, which is fear. And then, not even good enough to do that, it's now combined with tons of mental anxiety which produces the physiological and the emotional effects of fear, but it's not provoked by anything that's actually happening. It's all about thoughts about what isn't happening. It's just multi, It's just producing. Talk about manifestation. It's manifesting tons and tons of stuff, and we've taken it to be so normal, we don't know what kind of fucking slavery we're under. Yeah? And you can't, you can't do it justice, but when you get lifted out of it, you get to see it. It's freaking incredible. It's influence on everything. Every way you see all the thoughts, and those thoughts are pounding. They're like a wave that's pounding on your mental shore all day, 24 hours a day, with a big pulse, like a big swell. All about you, all about you. What's going you, you, you. It's unbelievable. People would have, would have to do almost anything to get relief. Yeah? People who know incredibly well this would be insane for me to get loaded again are moved to get loaded again. Like that. 20 years psh, out the window. What happened if you saw it as not you? That long, long wait change like that. As soon as I entertained what was the condition for me to be radically free from it, I had to see that I wasn't that. Without that, the radical freedom was going to be as that. It was never going to happen. You may think you look radical, you're just another fucking person that's been taken over by the parasite. It can wear spiritual clothing just as much as leather jackets and everything like that. It doesn't give a shit about uniforms. Yeah, but when I entertained I wasn't that first then the next came right out I can be free of it my mind, some a possibility dawned on my head and considering that mind and mind alone is what's bringing forth everything into expression here that possibility had the ability and, and the possibility to express as a freedom from the bondage of self And there's the presence of the power. You can sense it in the room, yeah? It's like a, it's like a magnifying glass. The silence gets deafening. It's just, it's just the vibrational foundation of this whole place. It's just... Yeah. You're not of a thing. You're not of thingness. Jesus said, I don't know if you like him or not, but I'm just using some of his statements. He says, you're in this world, but you're not of this world, yeah? Well, look, at what, what is it to be in this world? Time, obviously, is a huge thing here. Things are a huge thing. Separation is huge, yes? Uh, dualities, things rise to fall down, you know? There's birth and death, so everything seems to be included. You come and then you go here, Yeah? All that. And then he's saying, yeah, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're not of separation. You're not of thingness. You're not of time. Yeah? 
Could you imagine the experience or the traveling through time and separation and thingness was leavened with a little bit of that knowledge that you're not of this place? Could you imagine that after all these years of seeing life from only one view that it's happening to you, you could start seeing life as it's just happening? What a, what a fucking break that would be. It's like a giant exhale. It's Jesus, the relief is just indeterminable, the amount. It's just because it compounds itself. And then the gratitude about everything that was so everlastingly present in my day that's absent now. It's wonderful. Yeah? So, if you're in early in AA, you've got to put actions before thoughts and feelings. Yeah? Just do the next right thing. Don't worry about thinking the next right thing or feeling the next right thing. Do the next right thing. And you can sort of frame the next right thing by what's worked for all the other people that have come before you in the program. Listen to some people. Follow their suggestions. Get commitments. Make yourself available to others. And the mental state of selfing will diminish enough that a spiritual state will dawn on you. Yeah? That's what happens. Then the interest and attention leaves that dead horse and now gets excited and interested in the, the alive horse, the living of this life. And then you realize, Jesus Christ, how could I have taken that horse to be alive? It's dead. Now, because now you know what it's like to be alive. You're not incarcerated in a mental prison not fucking enslaved to your thoughts and your whims of your mind and your emotional sways back and forth. Not totally over-eclipsed by circumstances and situations, but now you outshine the circumstances and situations you're in. Yes, you take your rightful place as the light of your own life. The head is not going to particularly enjoy your stepping out of its little realm. But basically, screw it. It's not you. You don't have any allegiance for you. And it ain't coming with you. So when it calls, don't go back because it can't leave where it is, which is in la-la land. In a seemingly so. It's a, it's, a, it's a mental activity that can never take, never take life. It can only take your life. Yeah? That's what it's done. I know. I've lived under it. I lost my brother, my sister, suicide. My sister... You know, my mother, alcoholic. You know, I've seen people who I saw their whole light, their whole face light up, and then in one night that demon look came over them again, and they never made it back. I've seen tons of people who, with the greatest, you know, with sincerity and 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 longing, totally overmatched, didn't stand a chance to stay sober. Yeah. So if you have some freedom from it now, honor that freedom. That's what I find. I think that's sort of like the, the watering of what of the gift is to honor it. I found a lot of people twenty years who've gone out and they forgot. They were taking this presence as being commonplace, like that it was always going to be there, and now they can't access it right now, and they keep getting loaded. That. That urge to get loaded is so strong they can't say no now. They have no immunity. They have no power. They don't have any power. They can't make a decision and have it backed up. They're not accessing the power greater than themselves. So, yes. So these meetings are great. For me, they're great because I get to I can't go to places to hear it myself, so I gotta be the one to put it out there. <laughs> and I haven't missed a meeting yet. <laughs> Thousands of them. Because I love to be reminded. Because it's easy to forget here, seemingly. You know, and there's so much pressure on us, and time is like a giant hand in the back. It's just pushing you ahead. You'll go right by. It's like living a life on one of those like uh, mechanical sidewalks at the airports. You really would like to stay and spend some time, but you see, time is the dominant influence. You can't stop to smell the roses. 
You know, it's just like this push. And when you get free from it, you'll see how much there is. How influential time is here. When you get a little relief from it, it will, what will be revealed is amazing. It's just like your whole thought system is basically moving at such a rate all day, just driven by this desire to become what it can never become. Just act, it's agitated to an unbelievable extent. That's why it says in recovery, you'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. Peace of mind's available, but can you enjoy it? That's the trick. If you're addicted to time, you won't be able to enjoy it. Because if peace dawns on you, you'll think that, will it be here tomorrow? That's not peace. Yeah. You'll be driven. All the gifts will be short-circuited by time. Oh, this is great, but what about, to, you know, there's no appreciation just for the beauty of what's on offer now because it's bookended with there and then. Yeah. This isn't as good as it was once and I was expecting something bigger. Yeah? Constantly saying no to the invitation, listening to these false pr- promises, these crazy advertising campaigns by the aspect of the mental process that's playing God. It says, fuck now, worry about later. Yeah? Don't, don't, you have no time to smell the roses. You've got to get on and on and on. Yes, constantly moving, moving. Like, you ever see that, the old, in the World War II, they had the Bataan Death March where Japanese had all these prisoners and they, they just basically marched them until they all starved. They weren't going to take them anywhere. They were just killing them, you know. And it's sort of what it's like. We're promised like this holy land or this promised land, but it's always, it's always put off. Yeah? You're always planning on the arrival, but when you arrive there, that mythical there, it turns out to be the here that you wanted to get out of. Yeah? And it's a fucking addiction. All aspects of the one addiction are manifesting in all forms of addiction. Me getting loaded on drugs was was a response or a reaction to my my mind's addiction of being a self. I wanted to get out of self at any cost. And drugs seemed to be a pretty good way to get out of it temporarily. Unfortunately, you can't leave an imaginary place. <laughs> if I could have, I would have. But you can't. So. Yeah, any questions tonight? I could beat a dead horse, but it's, it's good. Yeah. So... It seems like a, a good place to start to let this, this message do its thing is to entertain this notion that the thoughts that are occurring are not your thoughts. Yeah, why not? Try it. Yeah, I have been. Good. <laughs> and, and what I'm, what I'm um, bumping up against is that these thoughts feel so individualized. Yes, of course they do. That's the sense of self. So... so how can how does one see through that? How does one see around it? Or what, well, maybe you should ask a subjective question to the old famous uh, self inquiry practice. If you want to have something to do, you ask yourself, who is it that feels like these thoughts are so individualized? Yeah, there's not just a thought that these thoughts are individualized. There's a feeling that it's, there's a you that's thinking that these are individualized. Yeah. Right. Well, why don't you question who's that you? Just ask the question. Don't look for any answer. See what comes up. And the question you ask: Who is that? You? Who is that? Yeah. Let's say when. Uh, let's say my mind's worrying about next week. I have no concern about what it's worrying about or that it's even worrying. I just ask: Well, who is it that's worrying about next week? If it's not me, I lose interest in whatever is wor- <laughs> all that worry about next week because it's not me. I'm telling you, I'll give you a simple example. This is, I can't make it any simpler than this. We're in a room. We're doing a talk here, right? And I'm supposed to be doing my little job, my seat assignment. But I'm interested in this person. Let's say Deb was in this other room. I hadn't met Deb yet. But I had my eye out on Deb, and my mind's been running. I mean, you have kids with Deb and stuff, whatever, you know. Sorry, Deb, I never told you about this. So you're in the other room. And so... Uh, and I'm keen on, because she means a lot to my head. My head thinks she's going to bring all this stuff that I don't think I have now. Yes? Which is the... Whatever. You know, that's the advertising it always gives us, yeah? 
and never thinks about oh the divorce and <laughs> it's always about oh this is going to be great yeah. yet <laughs> so here it is so she's in the other room so my mind is keen on that that's its agenda because it means a whole lot more than doing this talk so people start noticing I don't seem to be here while I'm doing this you know I'm doing it half-heartedly because I'm trying to listen to what see if she says anything in the other room like hey I like that guy Paul so I can you know because I have a huge fear about rejection, so I'm probably not going to ask her out unless I have my bet hedged, you know. I want to make sure I go, I'm going to win. I don't want to, or I won't play, which is usually what my head did a lot. So there I am. So now someone comes up to me and says, Paul, you should be doing this talk, you know. Forget about whatever's going on. And I totally agree with them, but I have no power to stop. These aren't like my dogs. They're running after something that they, they think is important. So then someone comes up to the desk and throws a book on it, and the book's title is How to Lose Interest in a Conversation in Another Room. So I read through that, and it makes a whole lot of sense, but I'm still keenly trying to listen to that, to that person. Suddenly she says something, and she says, I really like this guy Matt, and my name is Paul. What happens? I lose interest in that conversation. I don't have to pry it away. I don't have to try to get it with some method or practice. It just, I forget, forget about her, yeah? And then the interest and attention goes somewhere else. That's exactly what happens when you stop seeing your thoughts as yours and just see them as thoughts. You'll lose interest in them. You'll lose interest. The in, you, don't, you don't lose interest, you'll lose interest in the thoughts. And you'll see... Put interest and attention onto thoughts. A lot of interest and a lot of attention onto thoughts is the Petri dish for obsession. It's the Petri dish. That's what obsession grows in. It's not the thoughts. It's your interest and attention on those thoughts. And I'm telling you, your interest and attention is on those thoughts because you believe they're about you. What would happen if they weren't about you? You would lose interest in the thoughts. And then the thoughts that used to have so much sway over your life would lose influence. Because it's, the thoughts don't have the sway. It's the mind giving them the meaning. Yeah. When the mind loses interest in it, I'll tell you something, that whammo bammo big powerful thought is pretty meek. Yeah. You don't get caught by it anymore. You seem to have an immunity to it. Where before you had its beck and call. What happened? You lost interest in it. Why? It's not about you. That was this, one of the secrets I found. That's how it worked. I couldn't get out of self as a self. That would be a lot of interest in self. Yeah? My interest and attention. I could be studying about self three years with the hopes of getting out of self. I was more in self then than I was any other time in my life. Because self can't get out of self. When I realized they weren't about me, I started to lose interest in the thoughts. And suddenly... The idea of being 24-hour a day became the only reality. It wasn't about trying to grab, you know, my attention and interest from there and then. It willingly came back to the only place there is. And it started to enrich my life instead of draining it out of, my, out of me. Yeah. All the, and it all rooted in the idea it's not me. You're only interested in a lot of shit because somehow it's construed to have some relationship to you. You want to go through all those things and try to get push them back a little bit and they'll, they'll still seem to move closer to you. It's your gravitational pull. It's not them. Yeah. It's your interest and attention that's bringing them all around and putting them in the, the orbit around you as the planet Paul. When you, when the interest and attention leaves those things, they'll, they're not gonna come rushing and glom onto you. They're gonna go out. Spacious. They're gonna come and go. Yeah. You won't believe what you would call the behavior of the thought. Because it's not, the thought is behaving based on your mind. Not on it. It's just a vehicle. Just like a feeling's a vehicle. A thought's a vehicle. The mental process of selfing, which is this activity of being bonded to an idea, being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, being bonded to the idea of being a self. That movement of selfing has claimed everything that's going on here. So the thought system, it's the thinker. Seeing, it's the seer. Hearer, it's the hearing. It's the hearer. Hearing, it's the hearer. Feeling, it's the feeler. Yeah? 
actions, I'm the one who's doing it. It's claimed this, and now everything it's come in contact with, it's using it to facilitate the bonding of the mind to this idea of being a self. Because you now become the doer of things you have nothing to do with. Like thoughts. Like feelings. I hear so many people share, oh, I didn't want to feel like that. But they already felt it. The feeling occurs first, then there's the reaction. Based on that, I had something to do with it. I shouldn't have felt that. Like you had anything to do with the feeling. You don't. This is the freedom from the bondage of self. Not having just great feelings all the time or great thoughts. Try it. It's being free from the incessant interest in all those thoughts and feelings because they're about you. Being free from that, that activity because they're not about you. You're using its basic premise as the antidote. It's only interested and attentive to things that relate to it or indirectly or directly point at it. You're using that, that predilection of the mind to an advantage by saying, hey, I'm going to lose it if I'm not that. What will happen? Your interest and attention will be interested and attentive to different things and maybe no thing. Maybe it would find itself truly resting in spirit. Maybe you would like to rest in the upness that Jesus was implying while this, the experience is happening in the inness. Maybe you can find peace in calamity. Yeah. Maybe you can find rest in, in agitation by not being of the agitation, by resting in that. Find out. I found it works so far. It didn't work, it's working. That's the whole point. If it only worked once or worked at one time, it wouldn't be worth it. It's working. It's always available at all times. Right where you are. How do you, uh, how do you access it? By realizing what you're not. Or start entertaining what you're not. Then what you're calling Paul, you would f- you'll realize is a sense of oddness that has nothing to do with like the little... The emblem of the, you know, like the the emblem on the car trunk hood, saying it's a rambler. We're feeling the onness right now of spirit moving through with this inert body, enlivening it. We feel that onness, but we're calling it. We're, we're the mind's using that to indicate it's Paul. It's claimed the onness or the I am, and now instead of I am that I am, I am that Paul. That's what it's done. It's replace God, which is I am that I am, to I am that Paul. I am that Deb. The whole selfing has to be rooted in this fact. That's the only way you can get any sense of being so, is by resting on what's so, by claiming what's so, which is the onness of spirit moving through this inert body. Yeah, we're on. You can't deny that. Yeah, there's onness. We're thinking it's Paul and Deb. There's the little mistake. If you could feel the onness, that's the sense of presence. You are the presence. It's reverberating right now. This is like the flute that that note's moving through. Yeah, We're saying the flute's producing the note. It isn't producing the note. It's facilitating the note. Yeah, The note's moving through the body. The body is not producing the note. The note is enlivening the body. It's using it as the flute. It's the wind. Yeah. It seems like a tiny little thing. It makes all the difference in the freaking world. If you get the horse before the cart, things may go better. (laughs) I mean, it may not be such a slog because it's difficult to keep pushing the cart. It's better to pull it. You know, it's easier than to push it. So ask a subjective question, like I would do it when, let's say I'm sitting here, and I would just say, all right, who am I? So then you feel the honest, and maybe nothing's said, but let's just say I hit a mental, the mental uh, hand goes up and says, it's me, yeah? I don't stop there, I go, well, who is this me? And all you're doing is, you're turning your interest and attention, instead of having it constantly going out, yeah, turning it back in. Let's see who the proprietor is. Let's see who's the owner. Let's see who is the true subject. 
and find out. Find out if you're actually, the thing that you believe is at home, is it really at home? There's nobody home. There's no Paul. <laughs> there isn't. So you ask it. And then if it goes, runs away again, ask it again. Who is it that thought, thought it ran away? And then, oh, if you feel like you're close, who is it that thinks they're close? Just question it. doesn't care about far away or close. That's all the mental gyrations. They're not going anywhere. Just kind of bring, put it, keep it, putting it on the dime, and then once you start feeling that sense of honest, stop the questioning and just rest there. That's the whole point. Yeah? It's not the questioning isn't the point. This is just a little activity. The, it's, if you sense the honest, rest in the honest. You know? Just rest there. And that will inform you beyond any kind of information you'll ever get out of here. To be informed by that through the aspect of finding out will have much more of an impact than anything you've ever studied. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, one second of a download from that at that access point is a it's got a huge wallop. It can change one's life like that, actually. Yeah. It happened to me with sobriety, you know. I was just a regular day at the office when I got sober. I had hit many bottoms and I had, you know, moved in and furnished them and I was seemed to be able to get, keep getting evicted and going to worse and worse bottoms. I didn't see any end to it, really. I'd given up all hope and I was drinking in a trailer with some guy just hoping we could scrounge up some money and cop some drugs and uh, some download occurred, stopped my mind, froze that activity of selfing for a few minutes which I thought was, I didn't even know that was possible. And then other information downloaded that set off circumstances that brought me to my first meeting the next day. And I've been sober and clean ever since. So, I wasn't thinking about getting sober. I'd already spent two years and three months in programs. I'd given up all hope. I was just thinking of how I could stay loaded. You know, until I went to another institution or jail or death. There was no, I wasn't looking for anything getting better. Yet, something had a different story in mind. Had to interrupt it in a serious way, put an end to this fucking momentum, and then started a whole nother journey in life, like that. Like an eternal turnaround. I mean, physically, physics couldn't do it. I had so much momentum going down, I, there's no way I couldn't have gotten destroyed by the, the impact, but it just turned me another way, and it's been going the other way for 25 years. What more evidence or demonstration do I need than that? It gave me a living solution to a fucking, uh, a very powerful dilemma, which was alcoholism. And it's been solving that situation for 25 years doesn't seem to be losing any steam. Yeah, so, I mean, talk about need any need to be convinced. That was the most convincing experience I ever had in this life. That, that that I could be freed from the bondage of self that strongly in such a like a moment in time where like 40, 30 years of, of slavery was stopped in one second. How could that 30 years actually have been real if it could so easily be erased? Yeah. My mind went to those possibilities. So, you know, I have no, uh, yeah. it's just, we, it's just been stuffed in such a small package, the mind. It's, it's ability to entertain possibilities is unbelievable. But where it's being fed so many, so little possibility and the same old, same old formulas of, of an unworking life, just tweaking, you know, changing some of the nouns in the formula. Instead of Mary, it'll be Sue this time or something. But they're all, they, if they could have worked, they would have already, you know. All right, well, that's that. Another question? Wow, well, I was just wondering about your, uh, this understanding of selfing. You yeah. know, it sounds like so many, uh, I mean, I'm just curious how that happened in your, your past, right? Did it start with you, or, I mean, was that awareness at the beginning? No, 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 no. Well, I was lucky enough in, the, in AA to would be asked to do some workshops early. Mm-hmm. 
like my third year of sobriety. And, uh, and the first three years, I went to see Joe and Charlie. They used to do the big book seminars. They, that had a huge impact on me because their understanding I could really wrap around and it made a lot of sense. And it was very easy to do the steps after I heard them. With, uh, but then after three years, I had I got what I was going to get out of them, and I stopped going. And then I was doing workshops here in the city on the fourth step, the inventory process, every Monday for like 19 years, basically, if, as if I was in the country. And then I got asked to go a lot of places and do that, so that I was doing that. And so I had I, I had a feel I felt I had a workable understanding of the problem that I could share with people and uh, it was taken well and then I heard this idea while I was in that position and then uh, that position it stopped being a fourth step workshop pretty quickly and then this just took over more and more because it just seems to be a like a quantum leap to doing and having to me I asked where you heard the idea this idea yeah. I'm at a meeting similar to this uh, they call them non-duality meetings or at Baida. So it was an Abaida meeting in Berkeley by a woman from Eastern Europe. I couldn't really hear her, Neelam. And she started, she, that was the first tweet. But actually, I'd, I'd studied The Course in Miracles too early. So I had those two were running neck and neck. I heard this message, but The Course in Miracles was pretty powerful. And then I heard a couple other people, women, and, and uh, read a couple books. And I liked old Zen. And Zen, this is all that Zen's about, you know. Chinese and not some of the Zen that they, they call Zen now all this meditation the ancient Chinese masters weren't into group meditations or anything mm. they were into like uh, what you call Satori which is sudden awakening which is when you wake up you know, like out of this quote unquote dream so I had that stuff but then this gave uh, this illuminated that understanding I had an understanding but it wasn't it wasn't translating into an ease and comfort every day. Then something shifted in my mind, and then that understanding facilitated the ease and comfort to happen. You know, I started traveling lighter, so it was a difference between night and day. One was like an empty husk, which was a good husk, the understanding. And then this was had nothing to do with understanding. It was just like a download of information not even information, just something that shifted my mind enough where uh, it's like if you had a, a, a corporation, if 51% of the stock went to a different point of view, you'd have immunity to the 49%. That's what happened. Yeah. So it came out of a lot of my attention and interest and the machinations of my life was rooted in selfing. And, then, and, uh, and I was in the process of selfing, trying to get out of self, which is a failed way. <laughs> and then something happened that shifted enough out of it where I realized I'm, I never was that, I'm not going to be that, and I'm not that now, and therefore something that I was is what I am, but I can't know it. Yeah? I can know from it, because I am it, but I can't know it like an object. Mm-hmm. So then suddenly everything became verbing to me, all verbs. So that all the idea of nouns, that I'm a someone, just got dismissed and everything. So all this thing of verb, noun, like action, actor, seeing, seer, all that got moved and it was just verbing. There's just seeing, acting, smelling, you know, hearing. There's no one who's hearing anything, you know. This is all this stuff happening constantly. And that's been the way it's been since then. Yeah. And the, the idea of the noun verb thing was a big move, this big shift. Because the way my mind thought, like if you see how we think, if I didn't do it, you didn't do it, then we say like a god did it, a god like a thing, you know, like a noun. Yeah. And then, and I saw how that's one of the basic, uh, one of the beginnings of the interpretation of, of duality or subject object, yeah? Is that, you know, obviously the verb and noun. That's what it is. If it's all verb, that's pure subjectivity. That's pure action. Verb and noun is the subject-object. It's the story of duality. Yeah. And then as soon as it becomes like, as soon as, let's say, consciousness is now claimed to be, I'm the one who's conscious, I can also be, have an experience of being unconscious. 
when all there is is consciousness, which is insane to believe that we can be unconscious of consciousness as consciousness. <laughs> you know? But it can seem to be like that for a while. So, I don't know, that's just, and you know, none of that's true what I said, but you want a story, that's the story. No, that's true. No, I have no idea what happened. I have no idea what's happening now. And I don't care, basically. <laughs> I find out what I need to know, and what I'm not privy to, it's okay. Yeah? I'm not reaching for the stars anymore. <laughs> that's pointless. <laughs> you know, you get freed from the need to be liberated. That's the greatest freedom. You don't understand how much pressure you're under to be better mm-hmm. and to progress and to get somewhere. Right. It's like a fucking, you're being driven like a cow with a cattle prod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seriously. Because our, our conditioning is, is mo- keeping us moving to who knows where. It's like the herd, it just gets controlled by this, this giant, we just moved. I have this, con- I did a cartoon once I wanted to give to one of, one of the spiritual magazines. There's a, there's a truck, a flatbed truck with slats, and there's uh, all these cows there, and on the side it says, Phillips Meat, meat, uh, meat Packing plant, yeah? And then all the cows are just there, and then there's one cow like this, and the thing was the awakened one. <laughs> it's dawn on them where he's going, you know? <laughs> yeah, everyone on the... Uh, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but... Yeah, thank you.